Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And it's book club day. And it's Christmas. Merry Christmas if you celebrate. I'm, I doubt anyone's actually listening on Christmas, but if you are, please respect and admire how consistent we are. Last year, we took what did we do? Like we took like two months off for November and December. We took six weeks off. Yeah, yeah. And maybe, maybe people are escaping their family. Maybe yeah. they're like, I have important listening to do. Yeah, I'm avoiding you. We wanted to make sure that you've got a new episode, even though it's the holidays. We'll also have a new episode on New Year's. So every Wednesday, we love you guys, and we want to make sure that there's a new episode every week. And I feel like it makes sense that this is on Christmas because our book is holiday-themed. Oh, this book. I just love this book. Me too. Okay. Before we get into the book, let's do some highs and lows and some extra special book bonus content. Yes. Grace, what is your high? So I got to go to the premiere of Cats. The um the film musical. That's your Super Bowl. Yeah, it was my Super Bowl. I will be honest, some of the reviews are correct. There's a lot of I felt like I was on drugs the whole time. Like I just wanted to go because it was like a movie premiere. It was cats. Taylor Swift was gonna be there. Yeah, I, you you have to see it. Like we, that's your yeah. movie. But every now like all of my friends are messaging me being like, so I read the reviews, like, how is it? And I'm like, it's fucking weird. My friends were texting about the Rotten Tomatoes reviews. Oh, my God. They're so mean. They're so mean. There's this one that just says, congratulations to dogs. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Or there there was one I – there was a lot that I saw that just said, like, this should never be seen. These are things you cannot unsee. Like – People got so upset. There was another one that says, by the time I left the theater, I wasn't even sure what a cat really looked like anymore. Yeah. But it was it was fun going to the premiere. It was like a fun New York glamorous night. There was an after party at Tavern on the Green. Um, I brought my friend John. We just had like a fun night. Oh, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was a blast. The movie itself, I did like if I did drugs, I would do drugs for this movie. Yeah, that sounds like, right. I feel like mushrooms would be in order i feel like it's have you ever done mushrooms i mean maybe we shouldn't talk about this i haven't either no (laughs) um i feel like it's meant for children and stoners yes i do think that like some of my friends that do do drugs would have a blast i was like take some mushrooms and go to this that might be too scary i don't know i've never done it so i don't i don't really know i think i'd be like I think that I'd be, like, too scared on mushrooms anyway. Like, I don't think that mushrooms are something I should ever experience. Yeah. I'm just too tightly wound, and I would just – I don't know what would happen. Well, let's not find out. No, I don't think it's – I don't think it's necessary. I think drinking is enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it was fun. And it was at um, Alice Tully Hall in Lincoln Center, which oh, is nice. such a fun place to be this time of year. Yes. Yes. What about you? Mine is also Lincoln Center adjacent. So I mentioned last week that I was going to see the Nutcracker. And oh my God, it was so amazing. I feel like seeing the Nutcracker at the New York City Ballet is unlike anything else I've ever seen. It's just, it's so incredible. Now you're making me wish that I went. I've seen it by the Boston Ballet like a thousand times. I mean, any professional ballet company, it's just, it's so wonderful. Yeah. Rather than like, I remember going in high school to a local production by a like high school dance yeah. school. A little different. A little different. So it was so wonderful. Yeah. And just like the experience of being in um, in the theater and like seeing it live is just, it's so beautiful. So had such a great time at the Nutcracker. Uh, my friend Elizabeth was visiting, and so she came with me. And we just also had like a great weekend being tourists and like bopping around town. That's so nice. I know it was great. It's really fun playing tourist. I think this time of year in New York. I wish I did more. Same. I wish I didn't do enough this holiday season. But even like I was walking around Brooklyn today, and it was like really cute and holiday in some of the windows, and I was like. I haven't even paid attention to any of this. I know. It's hard because if you don't have a reason, like somebody's in town or you have somewhere to go, it's so cold. So it's easy to just be like, I'm going to stay inside and be warm. Exactly. Yeah. What about on the low front? So I just get hungover so easily these days. Like after the cats. the season for a hangover. Yes. So after the cats premiere, after the after party, literally John was like, will you at least stay till midnight? So I was like, okay. Midnight was my cutoff because I was getting tired and I had heels on. I think I had, I don't know, like 
I had a glass of wine before the movie started. Then I had another, I think I had two or three glasses of wine at the after party. I felt like absolute death the next day. And I know this is actually, I'm saying this and this feels like it's been a low before, but I just, I think my body is like, Grace, please be nice to me. Like, I just want a break. Like, please just have like lots of lemon water and your gravity blanket and a movie. Don't go out. I've been out every night this week since Sunday because Sunday we went to Kate's thing and then I went out to dinner afterwards. And like my body just just like wants pajamas and lemon water. <laughs> lots of lemon water. I don't know why I've picked lemon water as the thing I want. It just sounds really good right now. I'm having a lemon spindrift right now, and it's pretty good. Yeah, it's that's the best one. Yeah. What about you? Oh, my God. Oh, Grace. I experienced this as she was here. I am in customer service hell today. So I have two concurrent customer service issues that are going on. Yeah. So the first one is that my Rent the Runway Unlimited order was supposed to be delivered on Wednesday. And then they give you texts about it. And then it was like, your order has been delivered. And I was like, I haven't seen it. So I click on the link and it says in the notes, it says left with the doorman. And I was like, there's the problem. I do not have a doorman. Wait, did they put it at the bodega across the street? I should check. It happened to me once and they put it at the bodega. Usually it says left at grocery store if it's at the bodega i know but that happened to me and no one left a note Mm. and i literally had this exact same experience i'll go check on my way home usually that's not what it says if it's at the bodega yeah so i emailed them and they were like yeah it was left with your doorman and i was like don't have a doorman so i'm not sure where you left it but i do not have it yeah so that's ongoing And then second, this afternoon, I got an email, actually got three emails from Macy's. The first one was that they changed my email address on my account. The second one was that my password had been changed. And the third one is that my address had been changed. So I was like, okay, clearly there's something fraudy going on here. So I call Macy's and I was probably transferred four times before I found the right department, talked to somebody and... They were like, okay, we'll reset your account back to your old email address. But the problem is, is none of the teams talked to each other. So they were like, I was like, okay, are there any orders on my account? And they were like, we can't see that. And I was like, okay. So I was waiting in the subway station, letting subways go by me while this was happening so that I could talk on the phone. So finally, I was like, okay, I'll just check when I get home. I get home, I log into my account, and there's an order in the account, and It was paid for, and it says with Rebecca's American Macy's American Express. But you don't have a Macy's. No, I don't have a Macy's American Express, and I've never had one. So I've literally spent cumulatively an hour and a half on the phone with Macy's today. Oh my god! Everyone is so unhelpful. They definitely have international customer service, which usually is fine, but. I'm having so many issues with people understanding what I'm trying to do, and I keep getting transferred to the wrong person, and then I have to be on hold while yeah. they transfer me to, the, to like, another person. I'm so frustrated. And then the last person I talked to was like, we can't find a credit card, and they were like, we need your social security number. And I was like, is this part of the fraud? Yeah. I gave it to them because I called them, so I was like, okay, I'm like – it feels yeah confident that they're not frauding me. <laughs> but I was like, this is so insane. But they can't find the credit card. I'm like, I'm like very unsure. I'm gonna put credit monitoring on my credit account and like call the credit unions. But oh, customer service hell. Oh, that's awful. I feel like it's the Friday before Christmas and like the world is is uh throwing some curveballs today yeah it's like oh you're relaxed and work is winding down let's see what else we what we can do to to change that oh my god also i don't i know this isn't just me but this week my spam calls have been out of control oh really yes mine have been better i signed up for some list that was like do not call i should find that i get probably eight a day Oh, my God. I used to get like three a day and I was pissed about that. I get so many. And I put on this um, this setting and I an iPhone somewhere where it forwards unknown numbers to voicemail. Okay. Which is 
good because then it doesn't ring. But now the spam calls all leave voicemails. What? What are they saying? So it's really weird because it starts in the middle of the voicemail where it basically sounds as if you've like missed the first little bit or maybe it just starts playing when your voicemail picks up and starts talking. And it's like it always sounds really urgent where like it's like you need to call us back or we're going to shut down your account. And I'm like, my account for what? Yeah. Who are you? Um, But they always make it sound really dire. Yes. So... Yeah, but now I so now I don't get spam calls. Now I get spam voicemails. I don't know which one's worse. I don't know either. I hate voicemails for some reason. So like it. But when your phone rings, I don't know. My blood pressure always goes up, and I'm like, oh, it's like feels like this thing I have to deal with right now. Yeah, I don't like voicemail. But you can also just delete the voicemails. Yeah, I don't know. I think that the calls are worse. I don't like either. No. Ugh. Anyway. So before we get into this episode, I thought it would be really fun because this is a book club episode. I wanted to talk about what were the best books we read this year. Yes, I love this. This was a good idea. I have them sometimes. Sometimes. No, you have a lot of good ideas. We were just brainstorming our spring, our like first and second quarter ca- content calendar. We've got a lot of fun things in store for you guys. We do. Um. So I was, to make this list, I was looking on Goodreads and I don't set a reading goal. Do you? I just always want to beat the previous goal year. So last year. Oh, interesting. I don't feel competitive about reading, which is off brand for me because I feel competitive about most things. So I read, how many books did I read last year? I read, oh, sorry. (laughs) I read 81 books last year. So my goal is to beat that. And I'm at um, 80. Okay. So I'm going to beat that. Okay. Yeah. I think I read 70-ish books this year because I think there's definitely things that I didn't put in Goodreads that I read. Like I didn't do – I didn't put all of the Throne of Glass books in there. Yeah, I certainly read them all. That's what I – so I often count those series as one book because yeah. I'm like you can read – like order all three at once. Yeah. Yeah. So – but yeah, I was like, oh, wow. I've mm. never looked at how many books I've read in a year before. Yeah. I So I do this as a um, yearly series on my blog where I rank them all by within categories. So the best thrillers I read, the best mm-hmm. historical fiction, the best self-help books, the best um, like romances. And it's fun because then you can see what, how many books you're reading within mm-hmm. each category. I remember last year, yours was like 97 th- <laughs> like soapy thrillers. No. Last year. It I, was a lot though. Last year. No. Last year, I read 21 thrillers, 23 light romances, and 20 YA books, but only five historical fiction books and two self-improvement books. (laughs) So I just like got real dumb and (laughs) didn't help myself. Don't say that. I think that... No, no. Any kind of reading is good. Yeah. Yeah. So what were the best... I think we both did five arbitrarily. What were your... Not in a specific order, but what were your top five from this year? My top five from this year were Save Me the Plums by Ruth Reichel, which is her memoir. I don't think we need to talk about what each of these books are because we've talked about them at length. Um, Verity, which we did a book club around. Mm -hmm. Becoming by Michelle Obama, which is her memoir. Um, The My Brilliant Friend books, which are the Neapolitan Quartet by Ilana Ferrante, which reminds me I still have to read the second two. They're just so dense. And then we've been like trying to read a lot of stuff for for the podcast to like vet our it's taken a lot longer than usual to vet our like January through March books. So I like I I don't want to open one cuz it takes me a long time cuz it's like mm-hmm. really beautifully written but it's like 600 pages. So it takes me like a week or two to read it. Yeah. And then I like get off my reading game. Um so that and then the idea of you. I'm really proud that the idea of you made it in after you resisted so hard. I resisted so hard. So mine also obviously has the idea of you. Mine are much trashier than yours, or just like lowbrow. Not really. You've got you've got some high. Well, you've got one. I have one highbrow. <laughs> so then I'll give you the Sun by Jandy Nelson, which is not a new book. It's like older, and it was another Ashley Spivey wreck, but it's YA and it's one of it's fantastic. Um, American Royals, for sure, of course. I don't know why that didn't rank for me in the top five. I loved it. Like, don't get me wrong, I loved it. It just didn't make the cut. That's okay. The no, th- I feel bad. Sorry, Katie. That's okay. The Throne of Glass series, which I debated putting this in, but I was so addicted to it that I was like, it's up there. I feel like you have a tumultuous relationship with Throne of Glass. I, I really do. Yeah. I really, really do. Like you love it, but like you also hate it a little. 
because it yes. took up your whole life. Yes, but I haven't been that sucked into a series in so long, and I love that experience. Yes, when you just like can't leave your apartment because yeah. you're reading. Yes. And then um, – We're so cool. We're so cool. And then A Gentleman in Moscow by yeah. Amar Tolls. That's your, that's your highbrow book. It's my highbrow book. Mm-hmm. I debated whether to put this book or The uh, Rules of Civility, which is his other book that I read both this year, and I really enjoyed both. I thought that that was so slow for me. Well, yeah. Did you read both? No. I only read Rules of Civility. Oh, I really liked that. And I also really liked A Gentleman in Moscow. Someone told me that that, uh, Rules of Civility was much faster paced than than, um, Gentleman in Moscow. And I was like, yeah, I don't think Gentleman in Moscow is for me then. Yeah, I would agree with that interpretation. I think I sometimes get annoyed when a book drags. It depends why it's dragging. Yeah. Like Fleischman is in Trouble, totally different book, but that dragged for me so much. And you loved that one. Well, I loved it until the last 50 pages. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people said that. Yeah. Um, Before we get into this month's book, I wanted to have a quick desperation minute, but I wanted to start my desperation minute with a thank you because we've gotten so many new reviews in the past two weeks. Oh, the ones that came in today were so nice. And especially the people who have said in their reviews they've been listening for a while and something happened to make them review. I'm just so grateful and glowy and happy. But if you haven't left us a review, we would love one. It's Christmas. Leave us a Christmas present. Yeah. Leave us a Christmas present. Leaving a review for a podcast is the best thing you can do to help people to find them. It helps with the Apple podcast rankings. It helps with legitimacy. It helps with advertisers. So that's why we beg. Yes. So thank you to the 2,283 people who have left reviews. We have over 15,000 Instagram followers. So to the 14,000 of you that have not left us reviews, we would like you to do that. Don't make Grace start counting. Yeah, I'm not great at math, so I would prefer not to have to. Just leave a review. So should we get into this month's book? (laughs) Yes. Okay. So this month we read One Day in December by Josie Silver. And this was a reread for both of us. It came out last holiday. I don't remember what month it came out in, but it felt like it was a book that was only appropriate to discuss in December. So we've been holding Mm -hmm. on to this one as something that we wanted to make a book club pick since last year. Yes. Oh, this book. I just love it. I feel like last year I read it in the end of December, like over that Christmas New Year's week, maybe. mm -hmm. So it was like too late for book club. It was like this would be a terrible January book. Mm -hmm. We also, this was my first time ever listening to an audiobook. Congratulations. Yeah. It was like a whole different experience. We're going to talk about it at the end because I just like had so many different I had such a different experience yeah having someone say it to me versus reading the pages because I think when I read a, a physical book I um I, I project myself into it so the main character is always very sympathetic for me because it's like I'm going through it when an actor or a reader is like reading it to me if they have a want like a personality like I, I then like they're they're acting like makes influences how I feel I get that, but I disagree. I think I disagree with your take on the narrator. But anyway, we'll get, We're into, get it. into it. But first, should we go through the plot? Yes. Okay. So the book opens one day in December, and Lori is headed home from work for Christmas break, and she's in a bad mood. So she's on a bus, and it stops, and through the window, she sees her perfect man. And she's never believed in love at first sight. But when she sees this guy, she's absolutely hit over the head, and she knows instantly that he is the one so they lock eyes and he's about to get on the bus and then the bus drives away so then she spends the whole next year looking for him with her best friend and roommate sarah so he comes to be known as bus boy she scans every bus stop she goes to every bar she's determined that she's going to find him And then the next Christmas, Sarah and Lori are hosting their annual holiday party, and Sarah is so excited to introduce Lori to her new boyfriend, Jack. We meet Jack, and it's the boy from the bus. So Lori decides not to tell Sarah that Jack is busboy and is determined to get over him. So the book is also told with small interjections from Jack's point of view. So we know that he remembers her too and he felt the same power of attraction from that day at the bus stop. And even though he's falling for Sarah, he still has an insane attraction to Lori. I thought it was interesting how they both like described it because I feel like she was like, I'm in love. And he's like, I wanted to have sex with her. Um, That made me laugh. Okay, so sorry, moving on to the plot. So one year into Jack dating Sarah, 
Jack and Lori run into each other Christmas shopping. So Jack ropes her into helping him find a gift for Sarah, and they have a successful shopping trip, and they go in for a celebratory drink. So then they have a few rounds to drink, a heart-to-heart about Lori's father, who's in really poor health, and Lori asks him if he remembers the first time they met. He feigns ignorance, and she gets up and runs out crying. So she's in the street, outside the pub, he kisses her. It's electric. But they both agree it will never happen again. They won't tell Sarah. They feel terribly guilty about this. And they both really, really struggle. But then they kind of decide, like, they kind of fake it and say, oh, well, this was meaningless. We were drunk. Like, we don't need to tell her because this will never happen again. So the next year, Sarah and Lori move out of their shared flat. Sarah has a big new job across town. And Lori is going backpacking in Thailand. So in Thailand, Lori meets Oscar, who's another Londoner who's on an extended trip taking a break from his career in banking. And so they quickly fall into a relationship. And back in London, a few months later, Lori introduces Oscar to Sarah and Jack, and it goes so poorly. Jack is a complete ass, and he's really unfriendly to Oscar, seemingly because Oscar is a posh banker, but really because he's jealous that Oscar is with Lori. So meanwhile, Lori finally gets the job in publishing that she's been trying for. So to celebrate, she throws a dinner party, but Jack doesn't show up. So it turns out, so we're also mad at Jack, but then it turns out that he had an accident and has been hit by a car on his way. So he starts to heal physically, but he falls into a deep depression. He's lost his job while he was in the hospital, um, and he's absolutely awful to Sarah while she's just trying to help him. Sarah asks Lori to drop drop in on him and see if she can get him get through to him, and they have an enormous falling out. So the next year, Lori's throwing a surprise party for Oscar. And at the party, Oscar proposes to Lori while basically at the same time, Jack and Sarah break up. So their breakup has been a long time coming. And after the fact, Sarah admits that they haven't been happy in over a year. Okay. So Lori, her mom, and Sarah are all wedding dress shopping. This is something Lori's not too keen on to begin with. So when she tries on the dress, that might be the winner, the sales girl says that the man of her dreams is going to love it. And Lori has this realization that the man of her dreams is Jack and not Oscar. A couple weeks later, Lori ducks out on work to try on a wedding dress that she saw in a vintage shop. And of course, on her way out of her office, she runs into Jack, who's been waiting for her. So very awkwardly, he comes with her to try on this dress, which is fantastic, and it's definitely the one. He's there to tell her that he's moving away from Edinburgh for a clean start. There's an incredibly bittersweet moment where she's really happy for him for getting his dream job and making a clean break, but she's also heartbroken because this might be the last time she ever sees him. So two nights before Lori's wedding, Sarah comes over to Lori's for a casual hen party for two. So they're drinking champagne, they're doing their nails, and they're playing this cheesy card game um, that prompts Sarah to ask about busboy and and if Lori remembers him. And it comes out that Jack is busboy. And Sarah is furious and heartbroken. And they both say untake backable things. And ultimately, Sarah doesn't come to the wedding. So Lori and Oscar get married regardless. But at the reception, when it's time for Sarah's speech, there's an awkward confusion in the room. And Jack ends up getting up and giving a speech about how wonderful Lori is. So then shortly after they're married, Oscar gets a Big promotion at work, which means he has to spend part of every week in Brussels. So while he's away, his mother stops by and slips to Lori that his ex-girlfriend is actually working with him in Brussels. So things become increasingly tense between Oscar and Lori. He confesses that his ex, whom he works with, is open to an arrangement, which we put in quotation marks. Um, so Lori shares this intense moment with Jack at Sarah's going away party. Um, and Sarah's moving to, to Australia. And during this very tense time, Lori and Oscar decide, you know, things aren't going great, so let's try for a baby. But it doesn't happen as easily as they'd hoped. So Oscar gets another promotion at his job that would require him to be in Brussels full time. And this is the straw that breaks their marriage. So Lori doesn't want to move to Brussels and she doesn't want to stay in London, especially if they get pregnant and have a baby while her husband is away in Brussels all week. Meanwhile, Jack has been dating a revolving door of women in Edinburgh who he doesn't actually have any romantic feelings for. But eventually he decides he doesn't want casual sex anymore and wants to become the kind of man that's worthy of real love like the kind that sarah and her new fiance luke have so one night which is also in december Lori is making a cake and she's listening to jack's show on the radio where he takes advice calls 
And impulsively, she decides to call in using a fake name, and she tells her whole story with Jack. And he tells her that he does remember her from the bus stop and that it was just as hard for him. And the incident goes viral on Twitter. This had me sobbing. I know. It's good. It was so good. So she, I'm like tearing up just thinking about it. Oh, my God. Do you see this? I'm like starting to cry. I do see this. Um, Lori goes to Edinburgh to see Jack the next day. And before she sees him, she calls back into the radio show and professes her love for him. It's it, a very satisfying. Yeah, it's like one of those books Grace where everything. Is legit crying. I'm crying. No, it's one of those books where everything is just wrapped up in a tidy bow. Like none of this actually will happen in real life, but it was like Sarah is now happy with her fiance, and everyone is just like happy. And but that makes me so. It made me so glad because it wasn't easy for any of them. No, they all went through these big struggles to get where they are. You need a struggle. So it was it was more gratifying to see them all end up happy because yes. in a in a regular Hallmark Christmas movie, nothing there's no real struggle. Yeah, or maybe it's in the past because somebody's a widower, but you know, it's like oh no, my high school rival is here, and then you know the happy ending doesn't feel as good because yes. they haven't struggled. Yes, so we're gonna discuss this book, but before we do. So in lieu of an ad today, we wanted to tell you about a brand new podcast that we thought you might enjoy. So today we're talking about Storybound, a podcast that launched earlier this month in partnership with LitHub and the Podglomerate. So in every episode of Storybound, a literary icon reads from an, an essay, poem, or an excerpt of a book, and it's set to an original score that's composed for the piece. So I just listened to the first episode where Mitch Ablam reads from his forthcoming memoir, Finding Chica, and it was a really cool, immersive experience. So think of it like reading a book with a specially designed soundtrack. They compare it to radio theater designed for the podcast age. I love it. So they have some really incredible literary voices lined up for their first season. They also have Adele Wallman, who wrote The Love Affairs of Nathaniel P., and Nathan Hill reading From the Knicks. I loved The Love Affairs of Nathaniel P. I'm excited for that episode. It is a really interesting way to re-experience some of your favorite reads or a great way to find new authors and books you might like. So if this sounds up your alley, make sure you check out Storybound. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this podcast. So go check them out, subscribe to Storybound, and then let us know what you think. DM us. Yes. Let's get into this book discussion. Yes. Have you ever experienced anything like this? No, I'm bitter that I haven't. I don't think I've ever had a love at first sight moment. No, I feel like everyone I've ever dated seriously has kind of like worn me down. Like I was, I'll meet them and like, I'm like, mm, whatever. And then like their personality or like the way they treat me makes me really like them. So I just like can't even relate to what a moment like that was, is like. But I did have a busboy. What does that mean? <laughs> so, like a, a restaurant busboy? No, a busboy. What, so, what does that mean? So when I lived in Boston – I took I lived in um like the Chestnut Hill area in, in Brighton and I took this bus to work every day to Downtown Crossing. It was like the best way to get from Brighton to Downtown Crossing. Wait, where did you live in Brighton? On Chestnut Hill Avenue. And what? I don't remember. I lived in a like a really cute neighborhood in a terrible house. Huh. With okay. four with three other girls. It was fun. But I rode this bus and there was this guy and to me at the time he looked like Luke Wilson. Like he was like really cute, like tall, dark hair, light eyes, scruffy, very cute. And I remember I was just like, I like had such a crush on him. And I would like see him because we took the same, we both kind of had the same schedule. So I would see him like multiple times every week. So then like one day I like finally talked to him and we actually ended up dating for like a couple months. Grace, what do you mean you never had a love at first sight experience? You had the same experience in the book. Yeah, but he ended up being weird. So for our first date. I didn't say, did you it have love at first though. sight and like get married? But like you had, you saw somebody on a bus and you were like pining for them and then you dated yes, them. Yes, but I don't think that's love at first sight. That's just thinking someone's cute and being like, hmm, I want to talk to him. I don't know. How, like, is it love at first sight only if you get married? No, the way that she described the feeling, like it had been like she had been like hit over the head, like she couldn't think of anything else. She looked for him for a year afterwards. Like, I can't even imagine doing that. I like talked to this guy and it was like cool, but I don't know. Like hers was so dramatic. Have you ever, like I've never seen someone 
And like wanted to like search for them afterwards. No, like I've never done like a Craigslist misconnection. Yeah, something like that. A moment like that. Okay. I mean, I guess, but I like, I kind of failed to see how yours is super different from hers. Oh, it is. Well, he was also like ended up kind of being like a little bit of a loser. So. Well, right. But it's love at first sight. So you're not, you don't have anything to judge them on. So like that's. A, that's I, a risk. I just lo- think you associating the word love for something like that is a little dramatic. Okay. I just liked him at first sight. Okay. So you would like it first sight? Yeah, I did. Oh, to be young. I was like 21. Is he the one that got away? No, not at all. Not even a little bit. Do you, are you Facebook friends with him? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. I wanted to know what he was up to. Yeah, this was, oh my God, this was 17 years ago. No, I've never, I've never had anything like this. But let's talk about I guess we can kind of go sequentially, right? Like, should we talk about? I don't. Where do we start? There's so much to talk about. Let's start with the Laura, the Sarah and Lori friend dynamic. So I was reading your notes on this, and I feel like we thought very differently. I loved their friendship, and I there were so many moments that I just loved, like on. Lori's birthday, Sarah surprises her with this like full day extravaganza, oh, and they go to that. this Greece reenactment. I mean, that event sounded like my personal definition of hell, but I love. Oh, it sounded so fun. That. Oh, no. If, if you did that for me, I'd be like, Becca, like, I would much rather have we, that we just like stay at home and watch movies together because and, I'm so cool. Like the speech that Sarah gives Lori when they oh, move out of their shared apartment. Like, yes. How she's her person and knows her better than anyone else. Like, I've, I loved their friendship. So I loved it too, except I liked it better in the book versus the audio book because I felt like there were these weird nuances of the way that the actress read Lori's part was that she was like jealous. She came across as very whiny and jealous. I didn't get that at all. Oh my God. Like the way she was like, well, Sarah with her red hair and her curls and like her be- slim body sh- and her metabolism. Like, I don't know. I just felt like there was some jealousy. I didn't feel that at all. And I didn't feel this way at all when I read it, read the book. But listening to the audiobook, I was like, I'm picking up on some negativity here. Oh, no. I didn't sense that they had, like, I mean, obviously they get in a huge, they have a huge falling out. But before that, like, I didn't really sense any major rivalry. Like, I felt that Lori was insecure, but it wasn't that she was like, yeah, maybe insecure is the better way to put it. But I didn't feel like she was, like, jealous. I felt like she was a little jealous. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because that's why I loved their friendship dynamic where it was like they weren't rivals. They were true friends. And she was like, I'm taking this bullet. Like, I'm not going to tell my best friend that this man who she wants to be with is busboy. Of course. I mean, that's the thing to do. And I feel like if I'd felt like they were rivals or like there was jealousy involved, that would have upset me. But I was like, okay, you did the yeah, she did, did the, the right, right thing. thing. I really think it was just because of the audiobook and the author came across as a little whiny. So interesting. I didn't because I, I didn't feel this way the first time I read it. I mean, maybe let's just get right into it. I loved the way that the book was narrated because it was with a British accent and it was like it was so cozy and like lovely. Okay, so she grew on me in the second half of the book, but I hated her. I was like, I have to listen to eight, like 10 hours of this woman whining. Oh, I loved her. And I hated the man who read for Jack. He seemed like such a pompous asshole. Like he. Oh, I didn't mind him. I felt oh, like I hated it was him. like a good read for Jack. I just like realized this whole thing. Like if I'm going to start listening to audiobooks, like do I have to like test out the voices to make sure I like you them? You do because that's what people say is that audiobooks are super narrator dependent and like some books can totally be ruined by a bad narrator. Yeah. And I think like also typically bigger books have better narrators. So I don't know that I would like go mm-hmm. into the depths of, you know, weirdo fiction totally on audiobook i just I, this was just something i had never even considered and as i was i was listening i was like i don't oh my god like i see don't like this voice i really i really liked that they were both british i thought it was so cozy but um this actually was great for me because there was a male narrator and a female narrator mm-hmm. because when i read we came here to forget which was my first audiobook she did all the voices as the men and oh. she had a different voice for everyone. And it was like clear that she'd kind of run out of voices. And so some of them just sounded so ridiculous. And it was like, I'm Luke. I'm here. Oh, my God. That's and, interesting. And it was like, I get why she did it so that everyone consistently had a voice mm-hmm. that was somewhat different. So you could tell who was talking. But it was like cheesy. 
So I do think that if I had listened to more audiobooks prior to this, maybe I'd feel differently. But I don't know. This is the first one. Yeah. I'm going to do it for our January I think book, it was so a good, I'll let you know. I think it was a good first one. I just like anything in a British accent. I find it very, like, calming. I do, too. But I just found this actress was very whiny. Oh, interesting. So I'm. that's really curious how it played into how you thought about Sarah and Lori's friendship. But then it was so dramatic. Like, the ending, like, I was sobbing. And I didn't sob this way when I read the book. It was, like, I think everything was escalated because oh. of these – the the voices. I did not cry at the ending. And maybe it was because it was like in the middle of the day and I was like running errands. Yeah. So I was multitasking. But I, I remember crying the first time when I read the book. Like legit I'd ugly cried. Like was like. <gasps> I know. Oh, my God. Okay. Wait. There's so, ma- there's so many things that we need to talk about here. What really got me was when Sarah and Lori had the falling out. I want to talk about this for a few different reasons, Sarah's reaction, Lori's reaction, and also what would you do? So if this happened to you, like if I introduced my new boyfriend to you and and you were Lori, what would you do? I think that I think that I would do what Lori did. Like if it was somebody that you were speculating that you were going to marry. Yeah. I would just would just shut up. And I think also with the way that they encountered each other, it would be very easy to be like, this was kind of in my head. And I don't think that this other person who I saw at a bus stop remembers me. Yes. So I feel like I only felt very like sliding doors, like missed opportunity because you heard from his side that he felt the same thing. But in real life, like I would be like, oh, I'm being a little cuckoo. And like you're actually in a relationship with this person while I'm like in a fictional made up head relationship with this person. So, you know, I agree. I would handle it exactly how Lori did. Um, I mean, I wouldn't I would hopefully not make out with him a year later. But yes, I I wonder if at some point, like after a year or so, it would be like, I have to tell you something and be yeah. like, I'm totally over it. And I'm so happy for you. And I really like Jack. But he was busboy because that also seems like a really explosive secret although on the other hand because he lied to her and said that he didn't remember her maybe she thought that it was like a secret she could control yeah agreed i just i don't think Lori did anything wrong and i thought sarah throughout the book like she was a very empathetic character like she did so much for Lori. she was always looking out for Lori, and then the way she reacted and blew up at her like besides the kiss I just felt like it was – I would have expected a better reaction from her. I was – I found it shocking that she skipped her best friend's wedding over this. Like, it was just this – I don't know. Uh, I'm like – I'm undecided. It. I think the timing sucked because it was two days before the wedding. But it was like if you got in a huge fight with somebody, it was like, I don't want to go be the maid of honor at your wedding of somebody that I never want to speak to again. I agree. And then the whole day is stained looking back and it was like – Remember that bitch who was my maid of honor and then I never spoke to her again? Yeah. I just felt, I think, that she shouldn't have gotten as mad as she did. If The the kiss aside, the kiss was bad. Right. But I didn't think that, like, I think that Lori handled it as best as she possibly could and I would have expected a bit more empathy on Sarah's side. Yeah. I mean, I guess also because they'd already broken up and, like, Lori was getting married to somebody else. Yeah. Like, it was in... um. Where were we talking about this where I was like, I'm not defending cheating. Was it in How Could She? There was another book where it was like. Yes. It was um, Sunny with um, Peter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it was like, okay, but like you already broke up and it wasn't because of this. So it's like, how angry could you be mm-hmm. if this didn't negatively impact you in any way? Yeah. Because Lori also wasn't like, he remembered and we're in love. She was like. It was on me. Like, this was one-sided. Mm-hmm. I just found that whole explosion, like, it felt a little dramatic. I also felt that Lori saying she was in love with someone that she saw on the bus once felt dramatic. Well, she was young because she was yeah. at the beginning of the book. So one thing I loved about this book was that it followed them through 10 years. So it yes. starts when they're 21. Yes. And so, you know, like, We're I did a little more dramatic. I was, Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I had all kinds of crazy crushes when I was – 
21 versus feel like the end of the world. world. Totally. You're right. You're right. I like, I love a book that follows someone from college to oh, like me too. young, to like early 30s or even me too. longer. And even more so, I love books that look at how friendships evolve over that yeah. time. Like anything like Commencement by J. Courtney Sullivan or, oh, like the interestings, like anything that follows f- friends or friend group over time, like love, I'm a sucker yeah. for. Yeah. So that was, that was great for me where I like, on the one hand, it was like you didn't get you only got vignettes where it was like you didn't really get the full picture of their year every year. Mm-hmm. It was just the little clips. Yeah, but it was like little clips and you saw how they changed as people and how they grew up. And like, I loved that. I loved that too. Um, What about, okay, so you kind of touched on Lori's search for Jack. So she meets him and then she spends a year searching for him. I don't know. I think maybe this is a factor of modern dating. Like we're all on these apps and we're doing these things and it's just like, oh, this person, this person, this person. It felt so unrealistic. And again, I I guess I need to go back to the fact that she's 21 years old and but, and like young and immature. Don't you think it would be I, – I think partially she was hung up on him, but it would also be like a funny game, you totally. know, with your girlfriends where you were like, is busboy here? And like everywhere you went, you looked for him. But it felt – like it was way more than a funny game. It was for her. It was like really serious, but I could see how you would get into the habit of oh, like yeah. looking for him everywhere. Yeah, like a cute guy in Williamsburg walks by with his dog, and then you like try and find the dog in him. Like yeah. whenever you're at the park, exactly. I totally get that, but like it felt like she put everything on hold. Like she wasn't dating anyone else. She was just like, I just need to find him. That was dramatic to me. It was dramatic. This could also be reading this. This is a 21-year-old girl. I'm a 38-year-old woman. A little different. Yeah. That makes me sad, though, because I'm like, when is the last time that I had, like, a crazy crush on someone? Seriously. I was thinking – I was feeling bad about myself because I was just like, I don't like anyone right now. I don't – I'm not, like – I, ha- I don't remember the last time I got, like, male attention. Like, Yeah, but it's hard because with the apps, it's like you don't have time to have a crush because you, like, yeah. you go out with them really soon and then you either like them and it's – you're going to go on dates or you're, like, it's over. Yeah. But it's, like, you don't get to, like, develop a crush. You don't get to stew in it. I know, like – Remember, like, working for a bigger company? I remember when I worked in the buying office at Filene's, it was very co-ed. And I, like, always had a crush on someone at work. Or with, like, friend groups when everyone was single and going to happy hour after work. And there would be, like, somebody you see places and you're like, oh, like, I have a huge crush on him. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I miss that. That's such a good feeling. That's, like, a bummer to me that I don't – that that goes away, apparently. I know. Or maybe it's just that – our friend circle and our interests are so female focused that I like I don't meet any men outside of the context of I'm actively dating them. Maybe we should like sign up for a sports team. We would both hate that. I would hate it so much. <laughs> I like really would like some interests that are like going to help me meet a man, but I just don't want to. I know. Everything I like is really not male friendly. Yes. And my job is like I am literally surrounded by Single women in fashion and beauty and gay men all mm-hmm. day long. Mm-hmm. No crushes, no meeting. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, we gotta we, we gotta find a way to to meet more guys or like to have crushes. To have crushes. Yeah, more crushes in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to fix that because we're not joining a sports league. Maybe we will. What kind of sports league would you be in? I, I was gonna say we could take a cooking class and I'm like, it would be us and all couples. Yeah, it would the be, only men there. That was even worse. Um maybe like, I did a softball league when I was younger. No, definitely not softball. I could do kickball. I would do kickball. I wouldn't want to do dodgeball. Like, what about, like, something with, like, roller skating? No. That feels like mm-hmm. there wouldn't be guys there, though. Mm-mm. It also feels like a little, like, I would might get injured. Yeah. Volleyball is too scary for me. Yeah, not volleyball. I don't want balls in my head. Mm-mm. <laughs> it reminds me of the coolest quote. <laughs> Um, tennis is too like one on one. I think. Well, I don't know if you're going to do tennis with Katie and John. Yeah, maybe I'll meet like somebody at the tennis courts because I'll be with Mister and Mrs. Storino, just like the awkward single. Yeah, you need your doubles partner. I know. Maybe they're trying to get past beginner, but they can't. (laughs) They can't pass into the next level. So I said I was going to take tennis lessons with them. So maybe we'll all get bumped up to advanced beginner, and I'll meet the man of my dreams there. I love that for you. I'm going to take roller skating classes and I'll meet the ma- the man of my dreams there. 
I think that's he might be gay. Yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. Okay, wait. So there's kickball. I think is probably the best bet. Yeah, twenty twenty kickball. Like Mm. also, like all of the sports and activities I like are very solitary. Like running. Do you think that we could join like a bar crawl club? I would be into that. I don't think that exists. I would just like to get to the social drinking part and skip the sports part. Yes. Like, okay, we're done with the game. Now everyone meet up at Lucky Dog. Oh, you know what I would do? Competitive drinking? No. um, Do you think there's a league for skee-ball? Oh, we have good skee-ball in Williamsburg. I'm okay at skee-ball. I'm pretty good. Yeah. Oh, you know what I was really great at was like drinking games in college, like flip cup. Mm. But I don't want to do that because then I'll just be sick the next day. No. Or like, have you ever played shuffleboard like at uh-huh. Royal Palms, like the kind on the ground? Mm-hmm. I'm I terrible like at that, but I bet that would, I bet they have leagues there. Yeah. Anyway, moving on from this weird tangent that we've got on, on what sports league we're going to use to move We're going to get crushes in 2020. I want to have a crush. Yeah, same. What did you think about Lori's and Jack's dynamic after they met? Okay. So I, of course, whenever reading a book, I start to think of my like life experience and things. And I thought it was... I thought it was very cute that Sarah wanted Lori and Jack to become good friends and things, but I've never like had it be like that close. Like I was thinking about Nicolette and John, like when I was in my early twenties and moved to New York, my best friend and roommate um, got engaged to this guy, John. And like, we were like a, like the three of us did a lot of stuff together and we're going to Ikea together and picking out furniture and John helping us both put things together. Like he was great. He is great. But it was never like John and I would just like shoot the shit and like hang out alone. Yeah, I mean, I I guess I read it as partly that Sarah wanted them to be close. Yes. So that it wasn't – I didn't get a weird vibe off of it in the book. No, I was just like, I don't know anyone that is this close to their friend's boyfriends or like – No, sometimes I'll, I'll text my friend Elizabeth's husband a lot because other than you, he's the only person I know who watches The Blacklist. Oh. So we have a very – Yeah. I need somebody to talk about The Blacklist with sometimes. Oh, I love that. So I- situationally – yeah, I feel like that with my brother-in-law with Steve. Mm-hmm. Like we have our own little jokes and things like and I'll text him occasionally, but like I don't know, just like a weird boundary with my friends. Yeah. People. Like I don't hang out with just them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I the one thing I will say that I liked about Lori and Jack's dynamic is that I liked that Jack especially wasn't always perfect. Yeah. Cuz I feel like sometimes in these romance but these like rom-com books like the man is always so unrealistically perfect which is great like don't get me wrong i would love a like handsome always kind like man who has a great job and like doesn't care about looks and wants somebody quirky you know some of these characters you're like hmm yes so i kind of liked that there was some tension in their friendship not sexual tension but like there were t- like throughout the book, there were times when she hated him. Like mm-hmm. he was a total asshole. He like went through this depression. Like he wasn't just like Chris Hemsworth dream man throughout. Yes. So I liked that. Like I did. Too. He had some grit to him. I liked that as well. I feel like that is like very characteristic of British rom coms rather than U.S. and. Australian rom-coms which I find to be like more like sunny throughout interesting because I feel like in Britain like there's a darker sense of humor and like there definitely is there's just a darkness where like I liked that like he met her boyfriend and he was a total asshole Mm -hmm. like and it didn't resolve where he was like oh I'm so sorry I love you he was just like an asshole yeah wait can we talk about Oscar yeah first of all I'm pissed that I did not meet an Oscar when I went to Thailand a year ago. I know. You like, really messed up. I did. Where why was I not looking for like a hot fellow American? I am I was just reading in the sun by myself. I mean, it's one of my goals in 2020 that I would really like to take this Asia trip. So, you are so overdue for that. I'm going to need to, you know, maybe that's where I'll meet an Oscar just on the beach. Maybe. Um, I'll I'll put some good vibes out there. Actually, a friend of a friend of mine um, just went to Australia on a sex vacation. What? Yeah, she was like, she hadn't gotten laid in like two years. She was in a dry spell. She was like, I'm just going to go to Australia. And she went by herself. And then she went on, I don't know what app she was using, but she like was like, I'm going to go on dates in Australia. And like, I'm not looking for anything serious. And like, she got laid the second night she was there. 
Great. Interesting. Okay. Um, I don't know, but I don't know. Well, what I thought was interesting about like the perfect man thing with Jack. I felt like Oscar was like the perfect man for like the the first part of the book. Oh, well, you're kind of. I kind of agree with you, but I feel like with Oscar, it was like he was in Thailand and he was like trying to reinvent himself Mm -hmm. and like he wanted to be this other guy that he just wasn't. Yes. What it also made me think of is, so we were in Harbor Island with Katie and she, she calls like a certain relationship a sire. Like when the guy like wants to be in control and like kind of like run the show completely. This was a new term for me because I I never heard of it either. When she first said it, I was like, because I think of Sire from having read a lot of vampire books as I was like, yeah, that's somebody who makes a new vampire and so, it's their creator. So a Sire is, my take on it is it's a controlling boyfriend or husband or whatever it is that kind of runs the show and like do, wants to make all of the decisions and you're just kind of living in their domain. Would you say that's what it is? Yeah. I, well, I would say that's Katie's definition. Yeah. You think Oscar was a sire? I do. I think Oscar was a sire. Oh, I didn't think that he was super controlling. I think he became one when he got that job. Mm, he wanted her to it just was, do whatever he wanted to do. It was only at the very end where he just like assumed she would move to Brussels. But outside of that, like I thought he was like a great boyfriend and I almost felt bad for him throughout it. Like, do you remember there's this one part and I want to say it was on their wedding night where they go back to the room before the ceremony in between the wedding and the reception and he was like and or maybe it was it was after Jack had given the speech and he was like are you happy and like I I felt kind of bad for Oscar because I was like you're getting like the leftovers Mm -hmm. even like as Sarah said he's your number two pick or whatever yeah Uh uh-huh so I didn't except for at the very end I didn't get a controlling vibe I didn't like throughout when she was trying to get pregnant when he was mad that it didn't happen right away. Yes. That, I don't know. That was felt, kind of a turning point for me. It for felt him. like it turned around when he got the job with Brussels. It went from him being the perfect man to him becoming a sire. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So one can become a sire. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Yeah. 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 How did you feel about the ending other than crying crying ugly tears i love the ending i loved it i loved that she called in and she oh told him the the loves he she told him like their story as if she used a fake name yes. and he didn't realize it at first yes i loved every bit of it i loved it so much rona rona and i love that he was like kind of down on his luck and mm-hmm. it was perfect it was the perfect ending oh it was so good this needs to be a hallmark movie i would love this to be a movie like, why I did think... netflix make tell the boys i love this should be what what they made into a movie i actually liked that a lot too but i feel like Not this would me. be such a satisfying movie yes. and it would be better than like 99 percent of the holiday movies out there I couldn't agree more. I don't understand why it hasn't been made into a movie. I wonder if the rights have been adapted. I can picture, and I think this is only because I just saw her in Last Christmas, but I could really picture Amelia Clark in this role. Oh, interesting. Like, with brown hair, I can picture Amelia Clark in this role. I don't know. I find Amelia Clark, outside of Khaleesi, to be a little annoying, the roles that she plays. Like, it's always, like, this clueless, quirky, down-on-their-luck kind of person. I think of, like, someone a little sexier for Lori. Oh, but Khaleesi's super sexy. We've seen her naked. Yes, but every every time, I don't know, I'm real down on Amelia Clark lately. She needs to mash together Khaleesi and, like, her quirky, down-on-her-luck girl. She needs, like, a combination. Because, like, Mm Khaleesi is the queen and the best. And then everyone she plays is just like a total nerd. But I could picture her being so good in this role. And also just like, it, oh, it's such a good movie. Yes, it would be the best movie. It would be the holiday movie for our time that we deserve. We deserve this. We really do. I feel like we haven't truly created a holiday classic movie since, which, which came out first, The Holiday or um, Love Actually? I think Love Actually. Came out later first oh, okay so then but i think the holiday is yeah i think the holiday is the most recent christmas classic we've created mm-hmm. i think you're right but i think this could be it wait there's a i think there's a trailer for a movie for it what yeah we're gonna have to dig into this but you know sometimes the other reese has the film rights oh my god okay i'm gonna spend some time about this and we can talk about it in the facebook group but the other thing is that it would make me so upset if they adapted it poorly because did you ever read or see the movie One Day 
with Anne Hathaway. Yes. I read the book, too. And I felt like the book was great. The book was great. And then the movie was so bad. And if somebody ruined this book with a bad movie, oh, I'd be furious. Yes. Same. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Before we move on from this book, though, I just wanted to talk about British chiclet as a genre because it is probably my number one favorite genre. I feel out of my element here, so I'm going to let you talk. But well, well, so first of all, I'm I have a couple of recommendations, but I'm hoping other people have other recommendations for me. Let's put them in the face because I find it hard to find good British chiclet. Yeah, but I love it. Like anything by I don't know how to say her name. It's spelt M H A I R I McFarlane. Mari. It's not pronounced that way. I think it might be pronounced Zari. Oh. It's like Gaelic, maybe? Oh. I don't know. I know it has a weird pronunciation and I don't know how to say it. Yeah. And I don't even know how to Google how I would say that right now. But I love any of her books. I love have you read Who's That Girl? No. Oh, you need to. That's my favorite of her books, but I love all of them. Okay. Who's That Girl is about this woman who's like down on her luck and she has to move home with her parents and then she starts ghostwriting the memoir for basically like Jon Snow and Game of Thrones. Okay. It's great. That sounds great. Oh, it's so good. I can't believe you haven't read that. And then another one that I really like is Sarah Manning, S-A-R-R-A Manning. And her her books are older and I don't think she's written another book recently. And I think she's like mostly writing middle grade fiction now. Okay. And then also like The Flasher by Beth O'Leary this year was great. Like, I'm looking for more things in that vein. Okay. Because I like British chiclet like this. It doesn't yeah. need to be holiday themed. Yeah. But I feel like there's another kind of British chiclet that gets too cheesy. Like, almost like, at the time, I really loved Confessions of a Shopaholic. Uh-huh. I but, loved that too but like, at the time. At the time. But, like, now, it, like, I think it would feel a little saccharine. Yes. I used to read those books a lot. And the Jane Green books. Mm. I loved Jane Green. Like, I'm Jemima J. Yeah. That was one of my faves way back in the day. Yeah. I don't really – I know I read that, but it didn't stick with me one way or the other. Yeah. But I'm looking for more. So go to the Facebook group and tell Becca what she needs to read next. For Nothing British. would make me happier. Yeah. Oh, I, I bought this book that somebody recommended that I'm going to read over my Christmas vacation called One in a Million. And it's about – it's a British chiclet book and it's about um some somebody makes a bet – it's about a girl who works in social media and she makes a bet with somebody that she can make anyone internet famous. Oh. And they pick this doctor. And so she has to get him a million followers and they fall in love. Oh, that's cute. So okay. I'm excited for that one. I can't remember who recommended it to me, but I remember somebody like vehemently being like, you will love this. So I bought it. Okay. But in search of, always in search of more good British chiclet. Yeah. Yeah. Shall we move into other matters? Yes. That's not so formal. Other matters. What are you obsessed with, Becca? Oh, so I'm obsessed with, you saw this. So we went to our friend Kate's holiday party on Sunday. And before it, I got flowers for her from Sprout Home in Brooklyn, which is my favorite store for plants. They have great plants. But I'd never bought flowers there before. And it's one of those like eclectic-y flower places where, you know, they just kind of like have all these different things in vases and they like, you can point to different things and they like and it takes them four hours it takes to make you a bouquet. four hours and they make it into a bouquet. But it was so lovely. And I think maybe something that I would like to do for myself in the new year is like get myself flowers once a month. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I think that's a great a great goal. There's I, this design within Reach vase that I am so obsessed with. It's like $200. I always buy myself a Christmas present and I want this vase. It's like long and it, you put water in it, but then it has this gold covering with holes. So you could get like bodega roses and put one in each hole and like vary the lengths of them. Maybe add in a few eucalyptus sprigs and it looks like art. Oh, that feels a little too... It's so cool. Um, Like high concept for me. I don't know. I feel like I just love it because I think it's a great way to make bodega roses look like really cool. No, I want to get like... A really nice bouquet. I was going to get myself some when I got Kate some, but then it had already taken like 20 minutes for her to put this bouquet together. And I was like, we got to go. Yeah, I know. That's the only downside with places like that. I know. What about you? What are you obsessed with? So mine is we just, so earlier this week, we recorded with Veronica Swanson Beard and Veronica Mille Beard, who are the two co-founders of Veronica Beard. 
And I've been a huge fan of their blazers forever. I think I have like seven of their blazers at this point. Oh my point. God. I have a lot. Like I used to buy them all the time and I still do. But then now they're, they're very generous with me. But um, they have – they're known for their – the blazers are called the Dickie Jacket. And the whole concept is that they sell these – like dickies on their site that you can zip, not zip, like button into your blazers. And I didn't really, I just, I just didn't like, I was like, that's not something I need or want. And then I saw Katie when we were in, when we went to Herbert Island and she had like a hoodie zipped f- into one of her blazers. I feel like this episode is like the Katie Street. I know. It's like, hey, Katie, hour. we're obsessed with you. <laughs> um, side plug, go listen to Katie's podcast after this. Boob sweat. It's great. Great idea. But, um, <laughs> The, the Veronicas were like, well, you need a dicky, And it just made me realize, because I love the look of like a cashmere hoodie peeking out from underneath a um, blazer. But the reality is, unless you buy a bigger size in a blazer, it's just really hard to pull off. Like I end up feeling like a fat guy in a little coat or just mm-hmm. like, it's just too many or layers. Or you're too hot. Yeah, or you get really hot. And it's like, then your like, sleeve is maybe like stuck inside the arm of the blazer. It's never gr- good. So the dicky is just like this little... It's got like a little bib and then you zip the bib in and then you're done. And it looks like you like layered this cool outfit together. So I'm obsessed. I think they're such a great idea. And I mean, I love Veronica Beard, but now I have like a fun way to update my Veronica Beard blazers that I have. Yeah, that's it makes it a lot more versatile. Yeah. What about on Instagram? Okay. So I've told you about this like seven times in real life. So in January, I want to throw a party. I'm going oh. to throw a party. And I want to have a – I want to do a brunch. And I want to have a tarot card reader come and read tarot for everyone there. And so this all happened because when I was in L.A. over Thanksgiving um, – oh, she's showing me the um, Design Within Reach vase. And it was not at all what I was picturing. It is actually really lovely. Yeah. Like imagine in each one of those holes, you just put like a cool thing. Yeah. It's so pretty. Sorry. So anyway, um, I was in LA over Thanksgiving and we had one night in LA and we had had some wine at dinner and my friend Rachel and I were talking about going to get our tarot read the next day. And the person that she usually sees was out of town and I've never done it, but I'm very curious. And so she recommended this woman that her and our friend saw in San Francisco, I think, and now she lives in New York. And so her Instagram is at Harriet in the star. And she just looks like a super cool girl. And I need to reach out to her because I want to have her come read tarot at my party. I love that. I just think that would be such a fun party because it's like not a late night crazy party. It's like morning. And then it's like, what's your year going to hold? Yes. I think that's a great idea. I went to Deirdre had a tarot card reader at her candy shop vintage pop-up that she did like a month or two ago. And I got mine read and I loved it. It was really fun. What was the biggest thing that they said? Um, I got the emperor card, which I guess is a big deal because it means that you're going to have a very um, like kind of in charge year and um, good prosperity. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember anymore what what it said. What is yours? So mine is something that Kat Tanita, Kat is a good friend and has a beautiful Instagram. Kat Tanita had posted about this and it's called J Young Design House. And it's just a great account for interiors inspiration. Like everything that this account posts is beautiful. And it gave me so much. It makes me want to redo my apartment. It's very classic. I think it's just really good inspiration. I love following like cool interior accounts. Yeah. What about on the reading front? I just started reading Followers by Anna Davies. So we are working on vetting. We've picked our January book, which we're going to tell you about. We're working on vetting our February book, which has been like, we know all the other months, but February has been the harder one to pick. So this is a contender for that. And it's called Followers. And it's like a, it's set between modern day and then 50 years in the future. And it's really interesting. It's all about social media. So obviously I love that. It's like a very warped tale of the influencer life. Reminds me a little of like The Circle. Remember that? Did you read The Circle years ago? No, oh, I didn't. It's another like sci-fi um, social media. How about you? Um, So I read and I finished American Dirt by Janine Cummings. And this is a book that's coming out in January. And I think it's going to be one of the biggest books next year. I yeah, think it's gotten a lot of hype. Yeah, I think I heard maybe Oprah acquired the rights to it. I don't remember. And um, it's about it, it's like a very intense book. And I think everyone should read it. And it's about um, a family in Mexico who is escaping to the United States. 
And it's kind of different because they're like a middle class family. Like it's not like they're poor and like escaping for a better life. They're escaping because of gang violence where they live. And it was, first of all, like an incredible depiction of what it takes to come to the United States. And secondly, like it really challenged my perception of an immigrant. And like I I read this and I was like, oh, I could very easily be this woman. And I I just felt for her so strongly. And it was such an important book given the state of immigration in this country that it's definitely a more serious read and it's a harder read, but I think everyone should read it. I also sobbed at multiple points through it. Oh, wow. Okay. But I'm not in the mood for a heavier book, but I want to read it. It's next in my on my little pile of yeah. arcs. Yes. And if neither of those wet your whistle, I keep saying that. I don't think I like that term. I don't think I do either. But here we are. Might we recommend our January book? Yes. So guys, our January book is Good Girls Lie. By J.T. Ellison. Yes. So this is obviously a grace pick. This is a thriller, and it takes place in a boarding school, which is combining a lot of my interests. There are rich, unsupervised teens. And murder. And there's murder. And this one, I read it too. I also really loved it. And it is so twisty. It's so twisty. It's really fun. So it came out in mid-December, so it's already out. Pick it up, read along with us, and we'll talk about it the last week in January. Yes. In the meantime, come join our Facebook group and tell me about British Chiclet that you like or talk to us about this book. Uh, Follow us on Instagram at badonpaperpodcast. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood. And I blog every day at thestripe.com. And I hope you have a very Merry Christmas if you celebrate. And if you don't, I hope you're enjoying some time off. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.